And I thought, how do I react to this? Do I like fume down the tunnel? Because I was fuming. Hello, I'm Andrew Hughes. This is my Norwich City story. Things were fine at Reading. It was um, it was just a normal pre-season. I'd finished the last season. Uh, I think I played something like 46 games, variable, variable, various positions: left back, right back, centre mid. Um, but I'd never really nailed down a position. Um, there was a bit of a nickname, Polyfiller, sort of fill any gap. And uh, but Steve Copper was a, a wonderful man, wonderful gentleman, and um, real top manager. Um, and there was just a, I just heard a bit of interest off Norwich. Uh, my agent contacted me, said Norwich were interested. I wasn't looking to move because I had a year left. Uh, Reading had offered me a new deal, um, but then, you know, obviously Reading accepted an offer, um, and then I just went down to Norwich and, and spoke to the manager and met a few players. That's how that's how it sort of come about. But I wasn't looking to leave Reading because, you know, I'd been there through quite a successful period. Uh, I'd got better as a player. I wasn't an amazing player. I never was, um, but I de certainly developed there more. Um, you know, and maybe that's what caught uh, in Norwich's eye that we, you know when the times we played against them previous in the league campaign, they got promoted, um, and they were obviously looking to get back into the into the Premier League again, and they were looking to to bring a squad together uh, to do that as well as keep the the ones from last year. I thought, wow, big club. Uh, Big names, obviously. Uh, I knew Flem because I used to clean his boots when I was at Oldham. I was a YTS, used to clean his boots, and he was the same then as he was then. He's still big time, um, but I knew Flem, and obviously you know the the quality that was there with uh, Ashton, Huckabee, Safri, um, you know Greeny. So, and you, you know every time I played there, it was a wonderful place to play. Uh, sold out every week. Fans are loyal. Uh, they're different fans in Norwich. You know, you get different fans all over the country and um, Norwich uh, are different, they're more family and it's a big occasion going to the football all together and they've got a real cam camaraderie together um, and it's a beautiful place to live. Um, me and my wife loved it down there but I, I just thought big club, Premier League, looking to get back, maybe my time had sort of come to an end at Reading. I met Fleming in Sainsbury's car park and he had a red Mercedes convertible pulled up like Thought he was John Travolta in this roof down, like big flashy watch on, giving it the big one. Yeah, I'm captain of Norwich, come to Norwich and that. And I was like, just there with my wife and just met him in the car park. Uh, and what we did was I actually drove down on a Sunday just to see how far it was. So, because my wife had to, where she was working, work out how to get there and back. So it wasn't actually to meet the manager, it was to actually see how far it was. So I went there and back in a day. So that was the first time I went there, there and back in a day. And then uh, you obviously have to wait for official permission to go back and have the talks. And I think Norwich were away on a trip at the time. Because um, I remember Nigel and uh, Dougie sort of texting me going, oh, we're, we're landing, we're flying back. Uh, I think at the time they were signing Jurgen Collin as well. 
Um, so no, yeah, the first actual drive was actually to see how far it was and Flem to tell me how good uh, the city was in a red convertible. They couldn't have been more positive. They were, they'd been ultimately wonderfully successful there. Um, it was all about what they want to do, where they want to get back. Um, there were standards that they wanted to keep in the dressing room and they wanted all the players to adhere to that and be around it. And, um, you know, there was the ultimate goal. Well, the goal was to get back into the Premier League as quick as they could. You know, the, and that's what, uh, that was the idea. Unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't happen and it didn't start so great. But the first meeting was brilliant. They told me their idea. They wanted me to play midfield. And I was like, great, you know, I didn't want to be a right winger, a left winger, a left back, a right back. He went, look, you know, we need someone in there with a bit of energy um, because they obviously had SAS quality and, you know, people like Simon Charlton's quality at the time. So um, you could arguably say I, I sort of, I knew my role. I wasn't a uh, unbelievable player that was going to find passes and pick passes. I was more of a player that was wanting to put energy onto the team and just try and encourage and get the best out of others. 500 grand. <laughs> probably a lot of people probably think it's far too much <laughs> uh, at the time it, it, yeah it sounded a lot of money um, all these rumours about that you get some of the fees absolute rubbish so uh, I don't know where all that went but yeah 500 grand was the fee so um, yeah the deal was done and uh, it was good I think something had happened that a player had left Norwich and they'd made money on it and it was like well just use that for using and, uh, and then I was there done and dusted. Well, it was me and my wife, we lived in Reading, she worked in Ascot, Winkfield in a bank. Um, I literally came home, I says, we're going to Norwich. She was like, right. Uh, and then I left, went to, uh, was it the Devere Dunstan or, is it the Dunstan? I went to Dunstan uh, and I was in there and then she handed a notice in. So for the first few months, she has to work a notice. And then we, we found a lovely house to rent in Mulbarton around the corner from Darren Ward because I played with Wardy at Notts County. So uh, he was able to speak to a neighbour and uh, got a deal for cash on a, on, a, on a monthly rent on a brand new place in Mulbarton, all them new houses. And then my wife, yeah, moved down and um, she applied for jobs. So she's always worked my wife. Um, she's a special needs teacher now, so she's, she's an incredible person. But yeah, she's fully supported me. So she got a job at the local council just near the roundabout uh, on the way to uh, Carrow Road. So she, she worked there, but no, she's, it was fairly simple. We didn't have children at the time um, and it was just, let's get up and go. Uh, well, I thought this was my press conference with uh, Neil Doncaster, uh, baggy black shirt. Obviously times have changed now, but uh, that's actually when I felt like, oh, I'm at a big club here. It was a proper press conference. It wasn't like when I went to Reading and I was in a little room and it was uh, the website. It had all the posh water, it had the Lotus signs behind and the Stratton and I thought, oh yeah, I'm at a big club here. So uh, I remember that, yeah, it was good. He was all right, he didn't stay long, did he? He went off to Scotland, didn't he? So he was very, very straight down the line. You know, very tick boxes, X boxes, you know, yeah, he'd done. Um, but he's, he's having success with Scotland now, isn't he? Or, you know, that he's up there trying to do his thing. It's nerve-wracking and the other side of it sort of brings out a bit of cockiness in you, a bit of edginess because you feel like you're there because you deserve to be there. It's like um, when you get brought up as a YTS player, you're always looked at as, as sort of the young lad until you make a move to another team and then you become a senior pro. Um, but I was walking into a dressing room with big players, so I felt that like uh, I just had to be positive and you know, it doesn't bother me who they were and you know I was positive and 
became great friends with a lot of them. Uh, a lot of funny characters, a lot of funny stories. Uh, a lot of good days, bad days, arguments, but that's what football is about. A lot of learning as well. I watched, I watched how other top players at the time behaved, tried to uh, adhere to them and learn off them. I.e. Greeny with his Olympic lifting that no one ever saw with his silly shoes on and his silly gym gloves. Hooks, 5,000 sit-ups a day. Uh, eats one meal a week, <laughs> probably. <laughs> He's the best athlete I've ever seen. Um, you know, Adam Drury's professionalism, you know, Paul McVeigh, Saf, you know, you saw them all, so it, it, you took a lot from them. But it was nerve-wracking, yeah, you came in and you saw the canteen and um, the training pitches and then, you know, you just you just get into it. Players, players are great. Players make you feel welcome and, you know, because you're there for a good reason. I think it was in the lead-up to a friendly, we were playing Colchester. I think it was just a five-a-side or something like that, but there wasn't any anything uh, I do remember though um, Dean Ashton in one of my first training sessions I didn't realise how good he was uh, until he kicked a ball and, it, and the technique of someone rolling a ball to you and driving it front on is one of the hardest techniques you will ever see or ever attempt to do I probably got banana foot and kick it in the stand but someone rolled Dean Ashton a ball and he hit a ball like I've never seen anyone hit a ball and it made this sound and it went in the top corner. And I just turned around and looked at a few players and they were all like, and they've obviously know it and played with him. But I remember that first bit where I, I, I knew then that he was special and gonna go bigger. Oh, wow, know, to, know the score. Look at that, young Uzi. Uh, I like that one, it's got my captain's, got my captain's armband on. I'm like, can I keep this one? Um, I have no idea what that's about, but what terrible baggy trousers I've got on um, and skinhead. What was that about, no to score? Literally no idea, but the EDP ran it, so it must be Okay, good. fair enough. 17, there's your number, right, gone past that one. Why 17? I think that was the only one that was left that they could give me, I don't know why 17. <laughs> we wanted to get on a good start. Um, we'd been, I think there was a, three home games in a row. Uh, something had been rearranged with Coventry, uh, you know, and the place was buzzing. Um, I remember getting to the game early. I always like to get there early, park up, and fans were everywhere. I was excited, but I was excited to try and do well and do well for the fans. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to to go out there, and you want people to like you. You want, you know, you want your efforts to be sort of appreciated and. Um, you have them nerves of going out and doing well and then you have the the pressure of it being such a big club and winning games. Um, first three games didn't go well at all. Um, and then you sort of got the pressure of the local press and what the, the club was really about. Uh, and then from then, everything didn't really get going. I think the first win we got was a 2-1 win or I think Paul McVeigh scored the winner and it was like... Phew. Can't remember the game, but yeah, it was a it was a it was a tough start. It wasn't an ideal start. Maybe the other players like Flem and the Hooks and Ads, you know, maybe they might sense there was something different from last year. But I didn't know if there was anything different. I just, you know, maybe it was a bad start. I've been at clubs that have had bad starts, but on the other hand, I looked over and Reading were top of the league. You know, they had a great start and they were like weren't expected to do well. And we all know that season, Reading went straight up. So, you know. Um, but you can't think about that and live by your regrets. I don't regret anything because there's 
there's there's plenty of reasons Norwich was an amazing place for you know it's where mine and me and my wife started our family basically so it's uh, it was a long journey with with that so but now it um, I'm sort of going off there thinking about something else aren't I but it was um, it wasn't a good start it wasn't a good start and you sort of knew by then the pressure was building plus I wasn't playing well I wasn't playing well I wasn't you know when players when come off a pitch know when they're not played well and I wasn't playing well I wasn't playing to the standard that I'd had been at with Reading um, and I couldn't figure it out whether it was because I had a little injury pre-season or it was a style of play or the system but I wasn't as what I knew I could be um, and maybe there was a few other players as well in the team that weren't at it um, sometimes players aren't honest enough you know I was honest enough I knew my level, I knew when I was good, I knew when I was bad. Uh, but I, I always gave as much energy and, uh, and, and tried to appreciate the fans, you know, because at the end of the day, they pay the wages. It's fair to say, actually, I'll bring it up now, because over the period of your time there, you know, you always thank the fans, but at, at times that almost became um, criticism, didn't it? Of, of you clapping them whenever and things like that. Did it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't, well, how aware of you were, were of, you of, of criticism at the time or anything like uh, that? Not only the ones when they shout at you. Something that my values as a, as a, as a person growing up, whether or not fans appreciate it, um, whether I play bad or good, whether people like me or not, I'd always front people up. That's me. There was times... I remember, I think we got we got bashed by Luton. I think Greeny tripped into the net and scored a goal. And you know, I clapped the fans after, and they're, they're amazing. They followed us everywhere. It's a big club. Um, but if I've had a bad game and I clap the fans, I'll still clap the fans because you've made the effort to pay to come and watch. And at some sometimes that season it was awful. I was awful. But I don't mean to step out on the pitch to be a bad player. I'm not. You know, no footballer goes on the pitch to think, well, I'm going to be rubbish today. Sometimes you just have one of them days. Um, maybe people thought of me, you know, not as good as what I was anticipated to be. You know, I, I'm not going to apologise for that because that's not my fault, but I'll never apologise for, um, for clapping the fans. And if, if fans started to, I don't know, take the mick at me of clapping them, then shame on them, really, because I was actually thanking them for their efforts and, 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 and the time that they um, came to watch us or, or pay for tickets. So I'd never shirk away from, from clapping a fan. Even if one fan looked at me and gave me a clap back, I appreciate that. If someone didn't and gave me the Vs, I'll take it on board. Oh yeah, I remember this one. That's, uh, that's when I, um, I, I went to head a ball low and uh, I headed uh, McCann's knee and I felt this horrific pain right here and I've got the metal plate in here now and the dent and there was a dent in my head like a Coke, Coke can. I remember Neil Reynolds come over and I, and I was like, I mean, I can't feel my teeth. I was looking for my teeth on the floor. I thought my teeth were on the floor. And then he put his hands in my mouth and went, no, all your teeth are there. And then he looked and then, he, and then I sat up and he went, oof, your head's not though. And my head was missing. And at this time, they didn't have concussion things or anything like that. And I remember going inside, then I got in the dressing room. Uh, I was playing well that game as well, one of my well games. <laughs> uh, and they took me in the dressing room and I just sat there. And um, the club secretary coming in, she went, oh, you don't look good. And I actually got a taxi 
uh, to the local infirmary and they just didn't, they x-rayed me, gave me some paracetamol and said, go home. I'm like, now you'd, you'd probably stay in. The next day, Neil saw me in the Max Fax. I went straight to London and I had a metal plate uh, still in here now, I've still got it. And it's all numb down here. Um, but yeah, that pain was horrible. It didn't knock me out, but my God, it bloody hurt. It did hurt. Less uh, hooks putting the band on, uh, the captain's band on after I had it on as well, eh? Darren Huckabee, what are you like? <laughs> you knew that, I mean, I played under pards at West Ham, so he'd asked me about him. So I'm not going to turn around and go, no, no, don't touch him. You know, I was like, he's probably one of the best, best strikers I've played with. Um, for everything, hold up play. Great lad in the dressing room. So I'm not going to turn around and go, nah, I was like, yeah, he's top. He's top. I said, why are you after him? And he was like, well, yeah, I was like, well, it's going to cost you a lot. So, you know, and that was it. Um, but Dino was funny, funny guy, Dean. He'd like have the biggest pre-match meal on a Friday. Um, and he'd have his little routines and he'd obviously had a lot of injuries and this and that. And But uh, what, a, what a lovely guy, a lovely, lovely man. Um, it's a shame he never got to really do what he did because I think he would have gone on to be one of the best. You know, he's hold up play and link up play, um, but he deserved his move, you know, at the end of the day. If a big club like West Ham comes in and they're in the Premier League and Norwich aren't, um, maybe if we'd have been top six, top five, it might have been, no, let's hang on to him, see what happens, but it wasn't, um, you know, and it wasn't meant to be. And he, he, he sort of, well, he made the move and we replaced him with Ernie, didn't we? Did we, we, we got Robert Earnshaw, who was, you're thinking, wow, goal scorer, but different goal scorer, because we had Peter Thorne as well, who was more of a hold-up man, and you know, Thorne was sort of a squad player. Um, but and then Ernie came and, you know, Ernie wasn't Dean. Um, but ultimately, I think it was where we were in the money, you know, and that, that's football. There'll be times this year with, you know, Norwich's team now with, with Daniel, there's, I mean, there's players in there in my eyes that are worth 30, 40 million. This is football, players move on, players come and go, but um, you can't knock Dean's ambition for wanting to play Premier League. Dean's just northerner from crew, straight down there. What's happening, Dean? Are you going today? Don't know. All right, that was it. It wasn't like, yeah, no, he was just straight down the line. He never changed, he never changed, never changed. Top, top player. So we've mentioned yourself, Jürgen Collins, Peter Thorne, I, I get, and I think Jason Jarrett arrived. There. God, yeah, I forgot Jason Jarrett arrived. Yeah, he was like, he was like top player at Wigan. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and he had a bad time, Jace. I remember playing against him at Wigan. I think they got promoted, and he actually chose to come to Norwich instead of going the Premier League, didn't he? Um, yeah, I forgot about Jace. I mean, there was little things through that season, loads of different things. Like when Nigel made me captain, I was like. <laughs> completely honoured um, you know I was a positive character and tried to get the best out of everyone but it was funny because Flem uh, used to clean his boots at Oldham and he was the captain at the time so I think Flem got dropped for a game and then Nigel said look you make your captain tonight and it was you know, it was a wonderful honour you know, no one can take that away from me that I captain Norwich and I, um, I captain a winning you know the Derby away at Ipswich which was, uh, which was a big which was a big thing for me Hooks uh, was on the bench that day and he came on and scored but listen we won the game and I was captain for that one game so or for, for a derby win so um, yeah, it was a big thing for me 
you could see you could see in the dressing room players that are captains and not captains. You can see it a mile off now. You can see it in 16, 17 year olds now, who's captains, who's leaders. Other people lead off the pitch. I don't know, just quiet leaders. Like, um, for instance, Aaron Moy, who I've been coaching the last few years at Uddersfield, doesn't say a word, but he's a quiet leader. And you've got people like Jonathan Hogg, who, yeah, come on, you know, the leaders like that. So, you know, I look at Norwich's squad now and, you know, you've got, um, you've got leaders that aren't playing, like Grant Hanley, massive leader, massive influence off the pitch. So everyone has different influences um, and different characters. And, you know, obviously Kenny McLean, leader. Uh, Pookie might not be vocal, but he leads from the front. So, yeah, it was an honour to be made captain. Um, but there was no awkwardness. I just felt like, wow, it was, a, it was a job. And maybe Nigel was giving that to me to maybe try and lift my game as well. You know, maybe thought if I give him this, it'll, it'll help him become a bit better. Um, sometimes managers do that. The derby uh, at Portman Road that I captained was, was brilliant. Um, the, just seeing the fans after and win there was great. Um, it was good. I remember one of the derbies at home actually, because I sort of ended up moving around, didn't I? I started playing right wing, left wing. And I remember I started playing left back, right back in one of the games. And I remember I smashed Roberts, uh, their left winger, good player. And uh, I remember <laughs> I just, yeah, I loved that. Uh, you know, I enjoyed it. It was good. And the fans, the fans were good. I made some good tackles in that game. Um, but you can see how much it means to the fans. You even see it now. You know, any derby game, it, uh, it's what it's about. It's not about, it's not about performing. It's about doing whatever it takes to win. Um, but they're, they're good, great games to play in, especially that game. It's a big one. It's me and uh, Deza, uh, way at Ellen Road. Uh, I'd known Deza since I was 18. <laughs> I scored in that game away at Ellen Road. So uh, I think we were 2 1 up in that game, and me and Deza were having a bit of a battle. Good game, we played well in that game, um, and I scored in it. So yeah, that was quite a good moment for me. Um, I remember we drew the game 2 all, they scored, I think, free kick last minute or something like that. Yeah, but I remember that one. Deza, look at his barnet, look at me, bold as anything, eh? Um, I think the fact was to go away, really look at yourselves, rethink it, what you could have done better, because everyone could have done something better, and come back with a positive mindset for pre-season, that was it. It was really batting the hatches, it's been a poor season, um, everyone deserved the criticism they got. Um, we lost a few players, but you have to deal with things like that in football. You have to go away, uh, reevaluate, look at yourself. I certainly looked at myself because um, I wasn't good enough. Uh, and I don't like feeling like that. You don't like coming home thinking, oh, I wasn't, I've not been good that season. So try to do things different. You know, should I do a different off-season programme, training plan? Um, but no, I just went away, thought about it, and I thought, right, let's get our heads around for next season. Let's see how it starts. He was good character. Remember, he used to come in and do his speeches and have a little rant, and he'd have his little his, his thumb like that, and he'd bang the table. And I'd be like, oh, he's not breaking his finger, banging his table that hard, I don't know. But um, I remember one game, I think it was the first season or the second season, I can't remember. 
But I did something in the game and after the game he called me a clown and I started laughing. And he's like, who do you think you are, a clown? And whatever. So I thought, I'll, I'll show you. So I think the day after, I went down to a fancy, fancy, uh, fancy dress shop and got a clown's outfit and got a bucket with all, you know, the fake confetti in. And I came in and Paul McVeigh was sat next to me. What are you doing? I says, we're having the meeting, aren't we? He's going, yeah. I says, I'm going to walk in a minute late. So I walked in a minute late in my clown's outfit. And uh, I don't think him and Dougie really knew. My banter really knew what was happening. And I went, I'm a clown, am I? And I got the bucket. I went one, two, three, and threw the confetti over him. Obviously, the boys absolutely loved it. But probably that was the end of me. <laughs> and the clown joke. But Hooks and Paul McVeigh and Ads and everyone loved it. But... I was trying to just be funny, you know, that was me. You know, he called me a clown, so I thought I'd wear a clown outfit. That's amazing. That, that is my favorite story so far. I think, yeah, you do change a little bit because maybe his perception of me was that I um, didn't do what I was asked to do for him, which is fine. There was times he'd say to me, you know, if you want to find another club, um, you can go. And I was like, at first it shocks you because you don't know whether he's doing it to go right living up or she's going to go or you can actually go but my my reaction was no nah. I says I'm here to play and I want to get better I says my wife's moved here I've moved here I give everything to move here so I want to stay and do the best I can and then uh, that was it he was like right okay that's fine and I, sometimes I found myself on the bench or involved or you know whatever a few games I had a bad injury you know Nigel was good he's you know he is what he is He's a successful manager. Uh, he has been successful. Um, so no one can ever take that away from him. But yeah, no, that's what managers do. Sometimes players aren't, as if to say, putting food on the table. And I don't, I don't think I was actually performing um, the, the whole time I, I was there. I maybe had one or two good games, but I never, I was never, a, you know, like a eight out of ten every week. And you know that did hurt me um, because I really wanted to do well for Norwich because. It's a, it's a great place to play football in a good city. I think um, you always sort of see whispers and you get the feeling in the dressing room when a manager's struggling because they're, they're whole, they do things different. Like Nigel used to do his run around the outside of the training ground and the Colney and sometimes managers behave different when they're struggling. I've seen it playing for other managers and obviously working with managers and coaches. They try to just do things different to get a reaction. Um, and you sort of sense something was wrong, you know, things weren't going well, the style of football wasn't winning football. But was that down to Nigel? Maybe. Was that down to players? Maybe. There was a culmination of plenty of things that might need a change in. And certainly you felt the pressure, but that's the pressure of playing for a big club. And, you know, and that's the pressure Nigel took of managing a big club. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a shame, but sometimes that's what football clubs have to do they have to put it in the press to maybe lift the manager and that's you know that's maybe that was maybe Norwich's choice so it comes out you see that they put that statement out and then how, how does that affect the mood going into the Burnley game because a lot of fans would have watched that and gone oh I was there. are they going to play for the manager well no yeah I can't answer that honestly we just wanted to go out and do our job and beat Burnley I mean I was on the bench that game and um, it was a heavy defeat, wasn't it? Was it 4-1 or something like that? And I remember I came on, not even for long. Um, I was just fuming that we'd got beat and then fans were like saying stuff about me and certain fan. And I shouldn't have done it, but I reacted. 
and sort of jumped in the crowd and went for it. He was like, it's your fault, your fault. And I was like, how's it my fault? I'm a sub. Is, is, that, is this whole season and getting sacked, is this, or get, is it, is it my fault we're in this or is it everyone's fault? But I just took it personally. Um, obviously the fan was a loyal fan that had been paying for years to come. So I've got no hard feelings about it. You know, he's, he's a passionate fan and I'm a passionate player. Uh, I take pride in my performances and I knew that I hadn't been good enough. And maybe that was just, um, that just tipped me over the edge. <laughs> but um, do you regret things in football? No, I don't regret it. I'm, I'm, sure the, I'm sure the gentleman doesn't regret saying what he says because he earned the right to say it. You know, people, that, players that get upset what fans say, you've got to let fans say what they want because they, they, they deserve it. So yeah, I jumped in the crowd. There was a bit of trouble, a bit of this and that and nothing really happened. And then we came in after and it was just weird atmosphere. Um, I was angry from my reaction coming on as a sub because maybe I wanted to start and do better and show everyone what I could do. But, you know, when you're a sub um, and come on, you want to think you can do something straight away. And ultimately the game had gone anyway. We were 3-1 down. It wasn't like I was going to come on and change the game. I, I wasn't like super Darren Huckabee and Dean Ashton in one. I think the police come and saw me and said, do you want to report anything, what he said? And I was like, I just can't be bothered. I said, my bygones, my bygones. It's... It's this and that. I don't know if it was a big thing or not, because there was no, there was no um, contact or anything. You know, people pulled me back, pulled him back, and and that was it. If I saw him today, I'd probably shake his hand and we'd have a laugh about it. <laughs> but uh, he might have the same season ticket because they're loyal them Norwich fans, aren't they? So he's probably there. So, but I've been back plenty of times with other teams as a player and as a coach, and. Um, yeah, everything's been fine. Everything's been fine. So was this, this must have been the, the Burnley game when I was on the bench. Yeah. Um, warming up, trying to get in the manager's eye to try and get on. Um, I, used to warm, I used to warm up a lot because I used to hate sitting down. I couldn't sit down. I'd ants in my pants. I just felt like a, I always got told off... Um, Sam Allardyce, when I first started, always be prepared at any time to come on the pitch, and that was my thing. I used to, I used to like, I used to warm up and be prepared. Um, I have a little bit of banter about it now. I probably broke the pro zone record warming up, but at least I could enjoy my food at the end of the night because I know I'd worked hard <laughs> warming up. But yeah, no, that was the that was the uh, that was the unfortunate game where I had a bit of to do with um, with a certain gentleman in the crowd. How would it make you feel if? For Norwich fans, they mentioned uh, someone mentions Andrew Hughes to them. That was the first thing that popped into there. That that interview. Would it? I don't know. At least they remember me for something. <laughs> Maybe now they read this, they'll learn the clown jokes and the other things and the stories that went on that no one saw behind the scenes. Um, yeah, maybe. If they remember me for that, they remember me for that. Um, nothing I can do about it. <laughs> I was just disappointed in me as a player, uh, disappointed in all the stuff that had gone on with Nigel, maybe he didn't deserve all that. Angry we got beat, fans were angry, and you know, it happens, it goes on. Can you remember how it ended with Nigel when, when you last saw him before it got... No, I can't, no, I don't. Because not long after that he joined Leicester, didn't he? And we, and we played them uh, and beat them, I remember. But no, I can't, I played left back that game. Um, because I, I remember 
yeah, seeing him on the side. But no, no, I've not really spoke to Nigel since since that since that happened. Really, no. I've spoke to Dougie now and again. He's, he works as an agent, so I see Dougie Livermore all the time. Uh, he's always asking me about players, and it's on the other side now with me being a coach. Can you uh, do this and do that? And I'm like, all right, Dougie. Um, but what a, you know, what a good guy he was. You're always on an iron, but the thing is, when Granty came in, Granty was Pardy's assistant from West Ham, so Granty probably knew me as um, from Pards. So you knew he was a coach, uh, and obviously Granty came in and coached, and absolutely lovely man. Um, worked probably too hard, tried to do everything. Uh, probably overcoached, but he was—he had such a big heart and big, big energy. You know, it just—it's—it um, didn't really work out, did it? Because he left, but I left. I left um, while he was in the next pre-season, wasn't he? So the season, the bits he was there for when I was there, I gave everything. You know, and there were some good days. I remember once he sub sub me. I was fuming with him. He uh, he brought me on in a game, and then they got a man sent off, and then I got brought off. And I thought, how do I react to this? Do I like fume down the tunnel? Because I was fuming. Because it's one of the biggest things in, as a player to get sub-sub. And I thought, no, stay calm. Be a bigger man than him. Um, and then the next day in training, he pulled me and like, you know, apologized to me. Um, and I just told him how it was then. Uh, but yeah, that, you know, it was hard for him. You know, he had to make a decision in that game to win the game. And ultimately now as a coach, if I have to put someone on and then bring them off, if they have a man sent off to change the game, I'd have done the same. So looking at it from a player, you're selfish, but as a coach, you have to understand he wanted to probably bring someone against 10 men that had pace power and wasn't gonna track back or tackle. He wanted someone that was gonna break lines and, and go forward. So, you know, you see both sides of it now as you're older. I wouldn't say he had an aura about him um, because obviously now he's just he's not had another chance at being a manager so he's been a coach so you sort of knew he was a coach um, whereas when a manager walks in you, you know the manager's in the room like I've worked with managers where the manager walks in the room the room goes silent um, but he's still speak to Granty now he's you know he's a highly qualified coach he had incredibly intelligent I think he still lives in Norwich the area Norfolk um, he, he was a good man. He just, you know, he just, he felt that I would be better going elsewhere. Uh, I remember at the time pre-season actually with Dion, you know, there was a bit of banter about players and I had a bit of banter with uh, with Grant. You know, I was like, why, why do you need any other players when I can play anywhere? You know, I just started having a laugh, but he saw, I sort of knew it was coming, not to an end because I didn't know Leeds were interested, um, but I knew that I wouldn't be, you know, I'd be maybe struggling to get on the bench and things like that. So as a player, the last thing I wanted to do as a player was was be just there as a, as, as literally no one. You know, I, I wasn't that guy. Um, I wanted to be a footballer that was involved every weekend, um, and he wasn't able to guarantee me that. I just had a phone call off uh, Dennis Wise. He rang me up. He went, uh, "Hello, Uzi, It's Dennis Wise." I was like, "Hello." He went, um, "We've agreed a fee uh, with Leeds." Uh, with Norwich and Leeds, uh, do you fancy it? And I just said yes straight away. I said, yeah, why not? Um, I knew we were dropping division. Probably I knew deep down League One was my level. Um, I looked at Leeds, they were minus 15. I got called the maddest footballer in Britain. 
because I was the first, per to, first person to sign for Leeds uh, when they had minus 15. But I remember being from Manchester, driving past Ellen Road and just seeing it and thinking, wow, what a club. And that was it. Uh, I went, yeah, no problem. I spoke to Hooks. I says, Hooks, I'm off to Leeds. He went, right. He says, I've got a place in Arrogate. I went, have you? He went, yeah, stay in it. I was like, really? He was like, yeah. I went, bang. So um, got Hooks his flat, went straight to his flat, his holiday home, one of many. And uh, I paid him rent and I lived in his flat. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was paying, I was, I was putting money in Hook of his pocket, shall I say, for letting me live in his flat in Arrogate. And um, yeah, that's how it, that's how it, and it was, it was that quick. It was that quick. Um, was I upset that my time ended at Norwich for the friends I'd made there, for my wife working there, for the, the place it is, for the people that are there now? You know, when I go back, people are so polite to me, even though I wasn't a great player. Uh, not great player, good player. Uh, they're, 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 they're so polite to me. Um, every time I've gone back there as a player, as a coach, they've been polite to me. So there was no animosity whatsoever. Um, I'm incredibly thankful for my time at Norwich, even though it didn't go well. Uh, I really am incredibly thankful. It was just a quick few were there, get your boots and go. I'm not one for goodbyes. It's in and out, away we go and on to the next chapter and uh, pack, up the, pack up the house. And my wife had to say goodbyes to her friends and her job, which was quite hard. And then, yeah, we've obviously been in North Yorkshire ever since and I've, I've traveled around, you know, playing and finishing playing and, and obviously coaching now. Stu, <laughs> uh, that was last year. Um, I hadn't seen Stu since he, uh, since he left to go to Norwich. And obviously I've been on my journey with Huddersfield, assisting David. And um, he was, uh, I, I'd left Huddersfield uh, a week after David left. I was asked, I was asked to leave the club, um, and that's football. And uh, I was, I, I was taken in a game. And would you love and behold it? I rung up Stu, and he said, "Come to Bolton," and we met up, and uh, it was great to see him. We uh, had a catch up, and we speak a lot on the phone anyway, because his idea of players and my ideas the same, but. Yeah, it was just great to catch up with him. He's, he's looking well, he's lost weight. He's been drinking his green teas, he looks fit. He's got his piercing blue eyes. Um, but no, it was just nice to see him at Bolton and that was the um, good, good performance that day. There was a, there was a goal from the back. Uh, I think that Pookie finished off. I think it was the first goal. Uh, and I've been watching Norwich all season since Stu's been there and now this man, and now, you know, Daniel's developed. And, uh, and the players that they've got and the players coming off the bench. And uh, it was probably going to say that was my championship goal of the season. Um, that day against Bolton, it was, uh, it, was a, it was men against boys straight away. And um, I said to Stu Lee before coming into this game, I, I think before they started the run, there was some, you were 15th in the table. And I said, you know what, Stu, if you want to run now of four or five games, you're going to scare people now. No one thinks Norwich are going to do it. And uh, lo, and behold, lo and behold, the five games that I said you were going to win, they went and won. And then people start believing. Um, and especially the fans at Norwich believe because they've, they've experienced promotion numerous times over the last 15 years. So, you know, you know what it takes. Whereas at Huddersfield, we didn't. But, um, but at Norwich, you did. You used to being successful. Um, but yeah, no, it was great seeing him. Great seeing him that day. Stu Webber.
Uh, so before Delia called him a genius, I called him a genius at Huddersfield because he's a genius for bringing me into Huddersfield. I think I was under 23's coach at Bolton and then I went to Rotherham. Neil Redfern rung me up and sold me this idea that we're going to build the 23's team. We've got nothing at Rotherham. It'd be the first thing and I thought, you know what, a challenge. Um, Bolton was was different, but I thought oh, a fresh challenge. So I went in there, Rotherham. Six weeks later, no, we're not doing it now. I'd like you to leave. Okay. Um, so then Crystal Palace offered me a job, first team job, coaching. Uh, went down there. Uh, met Alan Pardew. He was like, come on, I want you to bring you in. Threw it on me and it was amazing. We, um, we stayed in the Premier League and got to a cup final. But leading up to that, I had a phone call um, off, a, off, a, off a friend of mine saying, oh, do you want to meet Stu Webber, sporting director at Huddersfield? And I was like one for meeting everyone now because you're, you're a coach, you want to meet as many people as you can. And um, we met uh, in a proper romantic Costa. I think he had a full fat latte and I had a, a green tea uh, with a muffin. And we sat there and we spoke about football, spoke about Leeds, spoke about what he asked me, what I wanted to be. Uh, he asked, he questioned me, challenged me. I challenged him on a few questions and it was a great meeting. We hit it off for about an hour and, um, and that was it. I remember going back to Palace thinking he's an, he's an intelligent guy. And, you know, looked where he'd been at Wrexham and Wolves and he told me what he was doing at Huddersfield and their idea. And I said, yeah, you're brave. I said, you know, bringing in the German manager. He was very forward thinking and I could sort of see something thinking, you know, you're quite forward thinking here, Stu. Um, and we kept in touch. Two weeks later, he rings me up. He says, um, look, we've got uh, an opportunity at Huddersfield. We're interviewing four or five coaches. Uh, we'd like you to come in and have an interview and meet the manager. Are you interested? And I just thought to myself, do you know what? I am. Because I felt like um, in football, people go now and get jobs because they know people. And I felt to me like, uh, I wanted to go somewhere and meet someone that I knew nothing about and I wanted to earn their trust and loyalty and obviously that started with Stu, didn't know him so I felt so my pro license course with the FA I did it on trust and loyalty because you always see managers that take the same staff and do this and do that and I was very privileged and honoured to get the job at Palace but it felt like I didn't earn it it felt like because Pards trusted me and he knew what I was good at what I did he brought me in and I'm thankful for him for it you know, he's one of the best young British coaches I've worked with, even though he gets a lot of stick, Pards is top. Anyway, back to Huddersfield, it just, there was no one there. Stu, I wanted to earn a relationship with Stu and I had four or five interviews with David, David and Stuart, Dave, Stu and Christoph. And uh, the more I got speaking to him after three, it was three interviews, he rung me up and went, we'd like to come in. And I went, yeah, do you know what, I'm coming. And, um, we at the ground running, me and Stu, he's got his idea of football and players. His, uh, his eye for a player is incredible. His work ethic is second to none. Um, you know, I'd be in early, at seven in the morning early. I'd try and do my fitness before anyone comes in because as a coach, you don't want to be in the gym with the players. So I'd go in the gym, but he'd be in there before me. He'd, he'd be flying back from, I don't know, Germany or Belgium, or he'd been somewhere watching a game, or he'd been in Scotland. We talk about players and young players and uh, we just hit it off, he, he's very honest. You definitely know yes and no. Yes means yes and no means no. Never underestimate the power of yes and no, Stu Webber. It's as simple as that. Uh, he makes decisions that people don't like, but he does it for the best of the club or wherever he's at. Um, would you say he's ruthless? No, you just say he's good at his job. 
very good at his job. Um, I think the best people are ruthless uh, and, and simple and clear. And if you've got a clear plan, um, you're enabled to follow it. And uh, he had a clear plan at Huddersfield. He had a clear strategy. He brought in David. It was, you know, both their ideas of football. Uh, and then Shu did the recruitment, obviously. I did it with him, with players, you know, the, the things like Casey Palmer, Izzy Brown, I'd experienced that and the contact, but, you know, bringing in the German players that he did and other young players. Um, and you, you see now what he did at Huddersfield, even though he left before the end of that season, ultimately, I, I still now, without what he did, we wouldn't have even got promoted or stayed in the league for the next season. Um, when he went to Norwich, I was gutted. I was like, what's happening? And then I said, but Stu, I, I'm gutted because we build up such a good relationship and um, I loved working for him. But I knew why he was going to Norwich because I could just see he was going to do exactly the same there. You know, Hooks rung me up at the time, he was a coach and a few people and I went, this guy, I'm telling you, he's going to put people in the place and he's going to put food on the table and make things happen. Might take him a little while. I didn't expect him to do it so quick but Stu just brings success um, and he brings good people together, a good working environment uh, and he makes things happen. So if you imagine a wheel that's spinning and Stu's in the middle and he just keeps it nicely ticking over. You know, it never goes fast or slow, he just keeps it ticking over. And now and again, if he needs to get rid of something, he will, he'll bring something else in, but that's the best way I can, I can describe him. Um, he's funny. Um, but it's his eye for a player and his eye for an idea that, um, that's come to fruition with, with Daniel and Norwich and the players there and the hard work. And, you know, it couldn't happen to a better, a better person and obviously a better club. Um, he's appreciated there immensely and, and so he should be dearly love him. Uh, I think the fans were a bit optimistic at first. Did they put him under pressure a bit when things weren't going well? Um, probably he felt have I done the right thing with Daniel, with another German idea like David, but you stick to a plan uh, and you have an end goal and eventually uh, you'll get there and, he, and he's got there. Your Norwich City hero. Oof. Good question. The team I played in or watching Norwich City? Because you know, I can look at I can look at two things. Um, the time I the time I was there. Do you know what? It was the it was the people like Val, who was in the office, and the kitchen staff, and Danny the kit man. Uh, so, and there wasn't a hero as in a player. There was brilliant teammates. But, you know, the staff, the groundsmen behind the, the, the scenes that put the work in and the, that go to help you uh, and make you feel welcome and look after you, uh, they, were the, they, they were actually the heroes, not, not the players, it was them. Tell us something we don't know about your Norwich spell. So I've told you my clown story. I've told you Captain One. Um, nightclub Mercy, we used to go to Mercy a lot. Oh, at the end of the season, we went to Las Vegas uh, on a lads trip, all the players. 
and we flew from Stansted. Luke Chadwick had a spray tan uh, before he came away with us and it was amazing. Um, Luke Chadwick and his spray tan uh, before the Vegas trip. Very well done, very good. When did it nearly and early for you at Norwich? Everything was totally honest about Norwich. Uh, there was never, there was never anything I wanted to leave before. I never wanted to, to leave, but you ultimately have to go because you know you're not good enough. Uh, and I had to drop a level to League One. Um, so no, there was none of that. And then eventually Norwich actually came down to League One. I remember, um, remember the games uh, and that season with Lambert. And then obviously Lambert, you know, they won the league and we had all the shenanigans at, at Leeds. But no, there was never an early and an early for me at Norwich. It was, you know, it was, it was how it was. My favourite Norwich City moment of memory, obviously signing for the club, captain in the club, scoring at Ellen Road, um, living in the city. There was loads of there was loads of memories, but yeah, I'd say captaining, being captain, it's a big honour. Um, no fan can take it away from me. I might not have been number one choice, but to have that honour, you know, it it does stick with me. Uh, and to and to win a game away at Ipswich and be a captain, um, it's a big it's a big part of my of my football journey and uh, definitely something I'll treasure. Definitely something I'll treasure. Who do I miss? Uh, Adam Drury was my roommate. I missed Adam. Uh, I miss hooks because in training you'd always try and get to his level and beat him and he'd make you push you, take you to the next level. I miss Dion Dublin, I miss Thorny. Uh, you miss the people around Norwich, you know, funny people, it's a good sense of humour. I miss Yarmouth, I miss going to the races, the dogs. Nipping over to Holcombe, uh, I used to love the beach there at Holcombe. Nip down to Newmarket, watch the horses there. There's plenty of stuff to miss about Norwich. Centre Park's near it. It was a good zoo. Um, yeah, I miss I miss Norwich. It was, it's, you know, when I go back there, I love it. I like going around the, the shopping centre and all that. But yeah, Hooks Hooks was good. Uh, Adam Drury, um, Danny was good. The kit man that he obviously moved on to, to Crystal Palace and Fulham and whatnot. But. Uh, I missed the area, yeah. I actually, when I went back a few weeks ago and watched the game that you won the league with or got promoted, sat next to Delia and had a good bit of banter with Delia. Oh, something I told you that I didn't know about. After a player of the year, Delia got a flat tyre and um, a chauffeur couldn't fix the flat tyre outside. So I jacked the car up and fixed the jack. So there's a story you didn't know. I saved Delia. <laughs> Who don't you miss? What uh, don't miss? I like hills, there's not many hills in Norwich, is there? So uh, it was very flat. Uh, no, I don't really miss, uh, who don't I miss? Who didn't I like as a player? Who didn't I get on with? I didn't not get on with any players, so I can't, I can't, uh, I can't really say. Maybe tell the chef I'd always have a wind up with him. Um, I'd usually come in and go, that is a 10 out of 100. It was rubbish today. So uh, maybe it was his banana bread. Maybe I don't miss his banana bread. Yeah, Norwich City regrets, good question. Never ever get into the level that I wanted to get to um, and perform for the fans and ultimately be respected. Um, I don't know if the fans respect me now. Maybe they might do after watching this to actually know that I was honest enough to myself. But it was my biggest regret that I never performed to the level that, um, that I should have got to. Um, I felt that going to Norwich 
I can perform at that level and went to it and maybe my form went down and other players' form didn't. But yeah, no, that's uh, that's definitely it. There was never regret not moving there. Even though Reading got promoted that year, never regret it. I loved my time at Norwich. Um, but ultimately, as an apology, my performances were, were, were far too below par. Was the grass greener? I think throughout your journey, you go to clubs and you always have amazing times and low times. In football, there's a lot more lows than highs. Um, was the grass greener? No, I went to Leeds and, you know, did well at Leeds. Um, did Well, I felt I did really well at Leeds. The fans took to me um, in a tough season. So no, the, you know, the grass, the grass isn't, the grass greener, the question really doesn't, you know, commit to me. I, I'm never ever going to have a bad word to say about Norwich. You know, whether people like me or dislike me, it was, uh, it was an honour. You know, players sometimes hate this and hate that. I, I never hated anything. Um, it was a fantastic club, amazing people, amazing fans. I, I just didn't perform. Your message to Norwich City fans? Probably that. Um, do I apologise for coming to, to, to Norwich for 500 grand? No, it's not my fault. That was how much I was. Um, do I apologise for my performances? No, because I don't go out to, 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 to play bad or do whatever. Um, I just, I didn't get to the level that I was at. I wasn't good enough for you. Um, and ultimately, that's why I probably dropped to League One because I'm, I'm an honest, I'm an honest guy. I'm not a liar. Um, I wasn't good enough. Um, I thought there were certain games I was okay. I was, a, I was definitely a team player. I wasn't an individual. I couldn't do things. But that, that's the message to, to the fans that uh, you know, if I, if I, if I, if I got people angry or, like you said, for clapping them, then that I don't get that. Uh, I was genuinely thanking people that made the effort to watch me because I was poor. I didn't mean to be an average player, um, but ultimately I wasn't, I wasn't good enough for them two years. I never had one Norwich fan say a bad thing to me. They couldn't have been more nicer. You know, I used to warm up and the fans would be like, all right, you have a bit of banter with them and in the bottom corner and this and that. No. Uh, I'm really, really pleased the success that they've had over the last 10, 11 years since I left the club or however long it's been. Um, wonderful people there, Delia, the owners, the coaches, the players, the young players that are coming through, the players that have come through, the players that have gone and been and left. I think if you turn around and get angry with things like that, you only get one go on this planet. I'm not angry with, with anybody. Um, I think I'm more disappointed with that I didn't do as well as I, what I wanted to do for the fans because it was such a big club and honour. I nominate Dion Dublin. Has he been done? No. Big Dion. What a character, what a guy. Um, absolute leader. As soon as he walked in the dressing room, you thought, wow. Everything about him makes you want to be a better person around him. He sets an example and he certainly, he certainly, the time I was there with him, lifted me and encouraged me and made me feel good when I wasn't good. Um, yeah, as a leader goes, probably one of the best, um, best out there. So yeah, Dion Dublin.